This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. This place, it is yours. If you feel you're an outcast, join us here. If you feel misunderstood and judged, this is where you belong. If you feel ashamed, trapped, here you will find forgiveness. The door is open all the time for you. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hey there, welcome back to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron. Pastor Jeff loves to take a fresh look at Bible passages that pump him up. Last time we started a message reviewing Matthew chapter 15 and the faith of the Canaanite woman. Pastor Jeff is talking about the deeper meaning in exchange with Jesus and what it means for us in our culture today. He's also been referring to the movie, The Jesus Revolution, which is based on a true story in California from the 70s. Here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of this message. And if you want, you can find the whole series and many more wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines. Here's today's message. Okay, we've done this passage in the past. I ask two questions, and I never get to ask these. I just leave you with the idea we should be reaching out to people. But we never talk about the elephant in the room. And here's the first one. Who are the hippies of our day? In the movie, The Jesus Revolution, Lonnie comes to Chuck Smith and basically says this. He says, these people are searching, but your doors aren't open to them. You've shut them out. And as a result of him inviting them in, a revolution takes place. Thousands upon thousands get saved or baptized in this little cove down in, I don't know where it is, but it's somewhere, <laughs> somewhere south of here. Who are the hippies of our day? So as you look around our world right now, what I'm trying to say to you is that I know the church, if, if you make the mistake of thinking that gay community, lesbian community, transgender community, that they're at the bottom of the spiritual barrel and somehow you're better than them and you cast them to the side and you think, okay, you're so far from God, you cannot be reached and there's no passion in you and you don't think God can reach all people and somehow you close your doors to anybody that's not like you. Do you know what you're doing? You're violating Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. And following. So the first question, who are the hippies of our day? And then can we, can we all at least agree that Christianity is not only salvation, it's salvation, but is it not an invitation to the broken? More than anything, for those who are broken, those who are looking for a transcendent experience in connecting with God. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Mark 2, 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, and it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners, the sinners. There's some of you parents right now that think your children are too far from God to be rescued. You are so wrong. You are so wrong. They're looking for a place open to them. 
open. And the Bible tells us that the church is to be a place where the broken can be healed, mended, put back together. And then the second question, how shall they hear the message without a preacher? Lonnie, who represented the hippies, and I know there's a backstory to that too, maybe that's another sermon, but Lonnie comes to Chuck Smith. I want you to hear, I've got a quote here. Here's what he says. I know we must seem, he's talking about the hippies, I know we must seem pretty strange to you, but if you look a little deeper, with love, you will see a bunch of kids who are searching for all the right things in all the wrong places. They are sheep without a shepherd, chasing hard after the lies, and the trouble is, you people, you Christians, reject them. So I ask you, Pastor, how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? We can only walk through doors open to us and your church, well, that's a door that is shut. When Lonnie tells Chuck Smith that, you know what Chuck Smith does? He opens the doors and the hippies come. And it starts a movement. This is not a, a fairy story. This is not fairyland. This is not myth. This happened right here in Southern California. That revival that I'm always talking about, it happened before, and it happened. It happened when we, re when we recognize nobody's too far from God that they can't come home. Now, here's, here's something we don't talk about, though. Here's the next thing. If it's true that Chuck Smith gets up into this church, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to value Chuck Smith so much. I'm just The story is about Chuck Smith, and I'm enamored with it. In a defining moment, when he realized what God was calling him to do, he stood before his church, and here's what he said to the hippies. He looked them in the eye, and he said, this place, it is yours. If you feel you're an outcast, join us here. If you feel misunderstood and judged, this is where you belong. If you feel ashamed, trapped, here you will find forgiveness. The door is open all the time for you. And then remember what Lonnie does? He leans forward and says, Pastor, you're going to need a bigger church. And the Jesus Revolution began in Time Magazine. Time Magazine. Time Map. Front page. 1971. Jesus is alive and well, living in the radical spiritual fervor of a growing number of young Americans who have proclaimed an extraordinary religious revolution in Jesus' name. It's happened. Now, here's the irony. Okay, let's have a little laugh. All those hippies that got saved are now the older people in churches that want to keep the new hippies out. Isn't that, don't you think that's funny, man? Isn't that ironic? You mean, you, dude, you were a hippie, you got saved, and now you're the conservative guy. Just sitting there thinking, we can't let those people in. But you were those people. That's the way humanity goes. It's the way it is. I can promise you this. Listen, and I'll clarify some things here because I know you got questions, but here's the thing. I guarantee you the time is coming, and I don't know when, but the time will come you ask me my opinion, I think it's before we die, but the time is going to come when this whole generation that is off on this tangent of transgenderism, I'm going to identify something today, but I'm going to be something different tomorrow, who's trying to have a physical psychedelic experience to connect with the transcendent, the time is going to come when they're going to be empty. They're going to realize, man, all these things we were told, they're not working. And the church, if it has kept its doors open, the prodigals will come home. Now, it doesn't mean that every hippie is going to get saved. It doesn't mean that some are not going to hate us and militantly refuse us. That's always going to be the case. But if you use your head and your conversation is seasoned with salt and you love people the way Jesus loved them, 
when that emptiness occurs, if the church has left its doors open and say, you're welcome here, nobody's perfect here, the prodigals will come home. Now, and I told you I was going to go off a little rabbit trails here. Just be patient with me. I got so much and I got a little bit of time left. None of us would ever think about putting a sign out on the doors of our church. God hates divorced people. God hates gays. God hates lesbians. God hates transgender. You say, Pastor Jeff, we would never do that. Yeah, I know. But if that's the attitude for when they come on the inside, it's the same thing. And they can feel it. You know what's worse than hate? Apathy. Which means we don't care about that crowd. And can I remind you? You're not so righteous yourself. And Jesus left his home where everybody's good to come and get you. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. He, sacri he sacrificed everything to get you. What are you willing to sacrifice to go after those who are lost? Now, here's what that does not mean, okay? Here's what it does not mean. Number one, it doesn't mean that we start watering down the gospel so it doesn't offend anybody. Pastor Jeff, I don't, know, I don't like what you're saying. You're going to stop preaching about sin, aren't you? How long have you known me? How long have you known me? A long time. The gospel is offensive. It just is. It ought to offend all of us. It's a level of purity that none of us can measure up to. But the gospel of grace is the good news. That's why it's called good news. So yes, I'm never going to stop talking about right and wrong, purity, impurity, what is good, what is evil. I will never water it down. But when we start doing it from the perspective of we rather than you, then it's covered with grace and grace comes shining through. It's only when we're self-righteous when we act like we all have our act together and you're at the bottom of the spiritual barrel that trouble starts. Are we all not sinners saved by grace? Are we not all trying to be holy, but we fail? Are we not trying our best to escape the desires of the flesh and walk in the spirit, but we don't do it all the time, do we? So when we start using we, when we confessed, like Paul, that not that I've already obtained it, but I'm still trying, I'm reaching forward toward the mark to lay hold of that which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I mean, if the apostle Paul says, I, I, I haven't, I'm not there yet, I don't think you are. I don't think we are. We will never compromise the truth of Scripture because in the Scripture lies the healing. So we will always preach the Word of God. We'll never water it down but we will do it from the standpoint of love. Do you know the difference? I was, you know what the big sin when I was growing up in church was? Running in church. You got caught by an elder running in church, man, you were in big trouble. We've come a long way, haven't we? And I remember head elder, Clyde Buckles, caught me running in church. He grabbed me by, but the way he did it, he grabbed me, he grabbed me by the arm. Young Jeffrey, this is the house of the Lord. Savior of the world loves you. Let's honor him. Let's don't run in church. Now, he was so good at it, he made me want to stop running forever. Just <laughs> never run again. I, you know, the way he did it, there's a, there's a real love to that. And I, I didn't run in church. I mean, I felt like, oh, he, you know, he didn't make me feel like I was, God could never forgive me. No, it was like, 
This is a special place. Can I be honest with you here for a minute? No, I want you to lie. But let, me, let me tell you something. Can I tell you something? This is, the second, this is the second thing. Not only will we not water down the gospel, but we will not refuse to teach what is appropriate in the house of the Lord. We will, but, but don't you realize there's a whole generation never been to church? Don't you realize they don't know how to act when they come in? Think about going somewhere. You don't know what to, I mean, come on. There, there are gonna be people, they don't know. Can I be honest again? This is where the honesty comes in. When I first came here to California to be the pastor, I had a culture shock because Christians didn't know how to act in the house of the Lord. I, I'm, I'm being serious. I'm from the South. I'm, I'm much more conservative, but I remember doing a communion service and I looked out and everybody was taking communion, even kids, little, little bitty kids. And that's not appropriate. Communion is for the believer. Your first communion is when you Confess your faith. Communion is a sacred thing. It's not to be done lightly. It's not to be done with, give me the bread, give me the cup, and let's move on. It's a sacred thing. So I thought, wow, what's going on here? There was a guy that used to sit in the one o'clock service on Sunday, and if a, if a call came in on his cell phone, he would take the call and talk to the guy like for two minutes. I want to just run down in the name of Jesus and just... Mm. You know, there have been times in my ministry that there has been a screaming kid in a service. The first 10 minutes, okay. But after 20 minutes, I, I mean, do you not care? Do, oh, you don't love babies? Of course I do. That's why we have incredible baby ministry. But do you want me to preach over your screaming child? And what about the people around you trying to hear? Forget about those outside who don't know how to act. We don't know how to act sometimes, right? If we do this, you say, well, Pastor Jeff, how, how do we do this? Well, we teach and we do it in love. You know, you might have to say, you know, young man, I know you like pot, but we don't smoke it in the Lord's house. You might have, hey, you might have to say that. You know, if you go, if you go to the golf club at Glendora and you try to play around the golf with your shirt out and not tucked in, it won't be long before the manager comes, hey, you need, you're going to play here, you need to tuck your shirt in. We're used to rules. You go to a Laker game, you cannot go down on the floor to meet LeBron James. You know, everywhere you go, you teach them. You teach them. You train them and you do it in love. Hey, welcome to church, but this is the way this goes. You got it? So we're going to teach and preach the gospel. We're going to teach appropriate behavior in the house of the Lord because there are appropriate behaviors and inappropriate behaviors. And third, it doesn't mean that the service, and this is what people tell me all the time when I start talking this, they say, well, you're going to cater to the, lower, the lowest common denominator. You are so wrong. We are going to deal with difficult themes in scripture. And here's what we do. We try to deal, because we're not going to take the gospel all the way down in 35, 40 minutes of rare simplicity where it becomes so boring and we state the obvious. But what we are going to do, no matter what we preach, at the end of the sermon, we're going to make a beeline for the gospel. Because when you do that, you never know what the Holy Spirit of God is going to do. I, don't you want to say to the world, this place is yours. If you feel an outcast, join us here. If you feel ashamed and trapped, here you'll find forgiveness. The door is always open all of the time. And don't you wish that someday they will write about us? Jesus is alive and well, living in a radical spiritual fervor of a growing number of young Americans who proclaimed an extraordinary religious revolution in Christ's name. 
Now, do you understand what I'm saying? Let, let, it, this is so important to me. And this passage pumps me up so much that I want to make sure you don't leave this weekend without knowing what I've said. Okay? Number one, God's heart is for all people and nobody so far from God they cannot be reached. And Jesus died, died for you and me so that we could be grafted in and be part of the kingdom of heaven. And he did it for us while we were still sinners. In other words, we weren't saying, oh God, we're sorry, we love. No, no, no. We were saying, God, stay away. We have nothing to do. And he still died. Okay? Second, that doesn't mean we're going to change church. No. Church is church. People always try to get me in a corner when I speak at pastor's conferences. Is the, is the Sunday morning worship for the seeker or the believer? Try to get me in that corner. The weekend worship is for all who need to call on the name of the Lord. All people. Yes, we teach scripture. That's what we do. We praise and worship. We're not going to water any of that down. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to open the floodgates. We're going to open the doors. And I need your help. I need you that when you see a young man come in dressed as a woman, that you don't freak out on me and you don't exhibit hate, but you have compassion and you have never walked in their shoes and you don't know what life experiences they've been through. How about putting your arm around them and walk them up and give them the prime place and let them hear the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do the convicting. The same is true. And I've heard parents say to me, yeah, but I don't want my 13-year-old seeing that. Look, they're seeing it already. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me, right? Better to hear it from you and the explanation from you. Now, here's a big one. You fathers, let me ask you something. How would you want the church to treat your daughter if that was her? Your daughter was raised in the church, but she's gone away now. She's been influenced by her friends and she comes to this church. And you don't go here. She's struggling with her gender. She had gender dysphoria. Does it, she's trying to figure out who she is. So she's dressing up as a guy. She wants to be a guy. How do you want this church to treat her when she comes in the back door? Ooh. The only thing worse than hatred is apathy. God has called us to open the door that those who are far from God can come near. And if we will have this attitude... The prodigals will come home. Just give it time. The prodigals will come home. It's happened before. It'll happen again. The truth is silent, says Chuck Smith's wife. It's the lies that are always loud. And no wonder we have a whole generation of confused people. Now, so who belongs here? One and all. I've heard that somewhere who belongs here, one and all. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are righteous. Come to me, all you who behave well. Come to me, all you who have your act together. <laughs> come to me, all you who are heavy laden, burdened down by the world, and I'll give you rest. Now let me show you how the story ends. Jesus says, it is not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. Notice what she says in verse 27. I, the more I read the story, the more I'm in. This woman, man, she got gall, courage, and she's clever. She comes back at Jesus and she says, yes, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus says, whoa, 
You have mega ball, mega faith. It's the Greek word, mega. You got great faith. And at that moment, her daughter was healed. Let me show you what Jesus does here. When Jesus says it is not right to give the children's bread to the dogs, he uses the diminutive form of dog. So if you were to read it literally, it would go like this. It's not right to give the children's bread to the little doggies. The woman comes back, picks up on Jesus' use of the diminutive and says, yes, Lord, but even the little doggies get the little crummies from the master's table. She gets it. She, I think she sees what Jesus is doing with her to teach a lesson to the disciples. And because of her faith, her daughter is healed that very hour. When I was in Savannah, Georgia as a teaching pastor, the church was growing, exploding, and there was a biker gang. Do you remember how we used to look at the bikers? Oh, they're bad people. I don't know if you know the story, but when I became the pastor here, the biker group of the church, about 30 bikers, met me at the McDonald's going toward Barstow. So we pulled in there in our Jeep with my kids and everything we owned in that Jeep Cherokee and about 30 bikers. John Brainerd led the group, biked all the way, escorted us all the way from there to the church. And my kids were thinking, who are these people? <laughs> you know? So the church was growing in Savannah and it was, you know, people were starting to hear about what was going on, about the preaching and teaching. And we got word, the executive team got word that Hell's Angels were going to show up on Sunday to see, check this church out, see what it's about. And they came in the front door and they all came in. <laughs> There's a little old lady, Irene, in the church. Well, actually, Irene was her middle name. I'm trying to think of her first name. Doesn't matter. She saw them. You know what she did? She ran up to them and kissed them all on the cheek. Come here, honey. Um, and she just went, one. and those guys that were like, like this, they went, they just melted, man. They, nothing like an old woman to come and say, welcome to church, honey. Come over here. Give me some sugar from the South. Just melted them. They all came in, sat, up, sat all together, and they kept coming. They kept coming. Some met Jesus. Some got saved. Not all. Some met Jesus. Some got saved. That's what we're after. That's what we're after. And man, when we're doing this right, you won't be able, hey, we're going to need a bigger building. Help me. It's going to be hard. It's going to require sacrifice. And it's going to cause a bit of discomfort. But if we're not doing that, what are we doing? What are we doing? Easy to talk a good game about helping people far from God come near. It's another thing entirely to actually put into practice the things you need to do to help people far from God come near. And remember what I said, we're never going to sacrifice holiness, never going to sacrifice purity, never going to water down the gospel, but when we preach it, we're going to do it with such love that many, not all, will be compelled. Amen? All right. Father, thank you for the power of the gospel. It reminds us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us that he left his home in glory to come and, and rescue us because he was not apathetic. Even though we are at enmity with God, he still loved us and came, searched for us and found us. And we found him. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Finds. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Fines wherever you listen to podcasts. You make me want to dance and dance.
Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.